hi there, and welcome to Gab and Grow, a podcast about the people, places, resources, and information of WCSU. I am your host, Mary Beth Griffin, and I am really excited that you found us today because I think it's going to be a great show. And I'm warning you, it's probably going to be a little bit longer because we can't seem to shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to introduce you to my guests right away. Um, our first guest is Dr. Chris Cook. Hi, Chris. Oh, hi, Mary Beth. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. And not just with you, but also one of my favorite professors on campus as well. That he you has me blushing and haven't even said a word I know, yet. I know. Uh, Chris is director of the Kathwari Honors Program and a professor in the Department of Social Sciences. And he's also the co-host of his own podcast here at WCSU Media called The Compassionate Achiever, which is kind of an extension of your recent book of the same name. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. We have uh, on that podcast, yeah. we just interview people from all different walks of life of how they use compassion and kindness on a way up the ladder of success. Mm-hmm. It's kind of give us all tools. It's like you're doing here. I know. It's so exciting. Our other guest today joining us in our fun is Dr. Donald Gagnon, who is a professor in the theater arts department and also, you know, part-time in the English department too, I guess. So. Part-time in English, a little bit of time in honors, keeping Chris company. Ooh. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. We're great, too. Uh, very excited to have you. I also wanted to mention that you are a recipient of the the first ever uh, Provost Teachers Award, I which know, was really right? exciting. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was as delighted as I was surprised by yeah. it, given the quality of the faculty here on campus. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, like I am now, I'm somewhat speechless. Yeah. Uh, when I was when I was handed the honor, it was it was delightful and uh, a tremendous honor. Great. Well, we're here today to um, talk about making friends, getting relationships, getting to know your professors. And you know, I was given a piece of advice later in my time in college about getting to know professors, and I really wished that I had known that earlier because um, I didn't make a lot of connections with them, and so. I want to I want to talk with you just about it. Do you think that was good advice to get to know your professors and why might it be something that students want to do? Well, we only have 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I think Don's right. We only have 20 minutes, but I, without a doubt and I think what you just said, getting to know your professors early is key. And I think one of the reasons and we can get into a bunch of them, but one of the practical reasons is that I get a lot, especially as the director of the Kathwari Honors Program, opportunities, both internships, um, meetings with dignitaries that, you know, if I know your major and mm-hmm. I know what your interests are, I can connect you, you know, with those opportunities that happen. I mean, we have everything from uh, the visit, two-day visit with mm-hmm. His Holiness the Dalai Lama, yeah. where the honor students were a key, a key part of yeah. that. And so I knew that certain students were interested in certain fields that were going to be prominent in his visit. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to get them, you know, opportunities to do that. And every year now, we also have opportunities during the summer with a thing called Kent Presents. It's like TED Talks on the mm-hmm. East Coast right here in Kent, Connecticut. And so I take students from every different major who I know and I look at the guest lists who are going to be speaking. Yep. I grab them and say, you know, this is an opportunity. But if I don't know you, 
I can't like offer you yep. that opportunity because yep. I, I just simply don't know what your interests are. But you know, those are just two examples mm-hmm. of you know, right off the top of my head. But you know, Don, Don, I'm sure has some other things to say too. Well, indeed, and it, and it speaks to why it's important to do it right at the beginning of mm-hmm. a college career. Now, of course, I mean, you know, we can't hold students responsible yep. for hitting everything from day one. There's an awful <laughs> lot to right. incorporate into one's daily existence <laughs> when one starts at the university level. But already this semester, is uh, similar to what Chris was saying, um, I was made aware of a job opening, a professional level mm-hmm. administrative job opening at City Center in New York City, mm-hmm. one of the primary performing arts venues and certainly one of a tremendous interest to theater majors. Right. It's a place where you can make a very, very nice career. Who do I know? Who do mm-hmm. I know who has the skills, the background, right. the knowledge, and of course the, the ethics to succeed right. in such a position, right? I know people like that. So I can reach out and I can say, hey, mm-hmm. listen, there's this job. Are you interested? And then they're off and running. Um, yeah, so it's it's important for that reason. And I think it's important probably to, to for students to push themselves to do that early mm-hmm. in the semester. Again, regardless of what is probably most students' inclination to hold back, we understand the value of getting a lay of the land. Mm-hmm. We're not, not trying to eviscerate the importance of that. Um, but listen, we're going <laughs> to – we've got so many students coming to yeah. us for this and for that. Um, it helps us not only to remember your name but your face and who you are, mm-hmm. right? So we can not only look to you but look for you yeah. uh, for ways to help professionally or otherwise. Um, it's hard. You, yeah. I mean, Western is a relatively small public university. Mm-hmm. But how many names do we encounter – Right, every semester, right? right? In, in our classes, yeah. we yeah. may have to recognize 200, 250 mm-hmm. names in a semester, and it's not easy to do that. Come on up. We're yeah. here. We're here for you. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things I was going to ask about is, you know, I know that students, particularly in their first year or so, are a little maybe hesitant about reaching out to a professor, you know, and it's not like high school. You don't pass a little note and say, will you be my friend kind of thing. So so how do, how do students start forming that relationship with you? What are some of the things that they can do right off the bat? I mean, one of the things that as part of a first year, uh, you know, classes is that you have students as part of the requirement of going to class is to visit the professors they have for classes that they're taking. So they have to come visit us and get our signature uh, on the piece of paper. So it's being also set up where you're mm-hmm. going to have to come and visit yeah. us. Uh, the other thing is is that I try to have them form in groups where they then can come talk to me uh, about uh, for projects. Mm-hmm. So it breaks the ice. You don't have to come alone. Yeah. Because, right? yeah. you know, maybe Don and I have extra large teeth. I don't know. And uh, we <laughs> look fearful or so. You know, you can be fearful of us. Um, but so it's one of the ways I try to I, I break the ice is, you know, I have them do group projects where they have to come to me about their project. Yeah. And that kind of breaks the ice about coming to see mm-hmm. to see me. Uh, so we try to incorporate ways as mm-hmm. professors to to make that dynamic happen. But I wanted to add one other thing about not just the practical side that, you know, both Don and I talked mm-hmm. about, but I, I know Don, that's why I recruited him to teach in the honors program as well. He actually cares, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. truly, sincerely cares about people, you mm-hmm. as a person, not just you as a student, but you right. as a per- person. And that's the thing. I mean, when life happens and it happens to us all the mm-hmm. time, to yeah. every single one of us, we can help through those times. If we know, like... I remember this one student just two years ago 
she was bubbly up, always, always, always having done the reading, right. you know, and this was just the first two weeks. I could tell she was, mm-hmm. just, you know, one of those superstars that was just going to take yeah. off. And then all of a sudden, she was sitting in the back of the room, didn't raise her hand. So she had come see me about a couple of questions on the first the first week. And so, you know, I was you know, I was thinking yeah. about opportunities for her, right? Because I could tell right out of the box she was just a superstar. Yeah. And then it closed down. So I asked her, I waited for everyone left, mm-hmm. and I asked, you know, could you just stay behind? And I simply asked, is there something wrong? And she broke down and walked back to my office and found out that her mother was dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't see her and active in... I don't know if I would have done that because right. I wasn't sure who she was, but I did. I, mm-hmm. In two weeks, I found out who she was, and I was able to help her through and go to talk to another professor about what was going on yeah. and help her, you know, move forward instead mm-hmm. of having her academic career get crushed. Yeah, right. We, a few of us, you know, helped her get through. Get through. And you know, I don't know. I don't know if you ever get through that, yeah. but yeah. but we we helped her kind of. She wasn't alone. She didn't get swallowed by it. Right. right. Ma- so you it's manage not, it in a healthy way. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not just the professional side. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad you had both of us here. It's, yeah. it's on that personal side. Right. And to there are those of us who actually care about yeah. you <laughs> as a person. <laughs> and that's the stuff that we can also help, the intangible yeah. stuff that in, inevitably happens. And you're four years with us, three years in some instances. We're not like other schools where you're here for like seven years, right? <laughs> you're, you know, you're here and we, we want you to move on and yeah. graduate. And, and that, those are the things that also matter. Oh, of, of course, I would agree with everything that Chris said. And of course, we find ourselves in a bit of a challenge also as students are facing the challenge of learning how to nega- uh, navigate, excuse mm-hmm. me, kind of more mature relationships with their professors, yep. with adults. Um, we also kind of have a bit of a challenge to overcome. And that is, again, with these 200 or 250 mm-hmm. names, it becomes impossible to be friends with everybody. Right. And I don't know that it's necessarily in our job description to be friends right. with our students, yeah. but I believe it is implicitly or otherwise part of our job description to be friendly to students. Yeah. And, you know, now you can distinguish between what it means to be a friend and what it means to be friendly. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some kind of common sense distinctions yeah. there, right? But I think we always need to be aware of the fact that we are not always putting forth a kind of friendly, I don't want to say facade because that makes it sound fake, but right. but we are not showing the friendly side of our nature in the ways that we want to because of the load of things that come down on mm-hmm. us. So what do we do then? If we know that that is part of the challenge of our professional position, knowing that especially, for example, during the launch phase of right. every school year, the first two or three weeks mm-hmm. where so much is going on, everybody has demands, um, we know this is going to happen again next right. year. So what do we do? Okay, so next August, I need to do this, I need to do this, mm-hmm. I need to have all of this in line and be ready when it hits again yeah. so that I, when I am inevitably going to be pulled yeah. in all of these directions, I can maintain being, being friendly mm-hmm. to students, um, you know, within re- reasonable right. measures, yeah. things are going to happen sometimes, but um, using that to break down this this brick wall, really, of inhibition that you're talking about, right? What's what's keeping students from coming to see yeah. us? We can, we can force them to come. We can make it a requirement for the mm-hmm. class. And that's fine. That's a great first step, right? Um, we can't force them to like us. We, <laughs> right? yeah. we can't force them to appreciate right. the fact that we're making them do this. <laughs> um, but we give them, that is, we, we put them into the place where 
we have at least taken a brick out of the wall, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then how we how we go about doing that becomes our own individual affair. One of the things that I do, um, often students will walk into my office and kind of apropos of nothing, I have a display of superhero action figures mm-hmm. in my office. What's going on there? And yeah. all of a sudden, most students have something to talk about in yep. the office that isn't my diploma, that right. isn't the computer or the printer, or that isn't the uh, overwhelming, uh, you know, walls lined mm-hmm. with books, which are all fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with any of that. But I know from my own experience, right, that these things can be intimidating. Right. But if I see an action figure up there of mm, or, you know, X, <laughs> yeah. Y, or Z, oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden there's a conversation happening right. with your professor as opposed to an appointment happening exactly. with your professor. Right. Well, and we're talking about that students coming you know, some folks that we've had in for some of the other things have talked about the importance of making use of office hours mm-hmm. and and that, you know, oftentimes people don't. So I'm wondering, you know, is that that's a great option for starting that that first level of contact with things. Without a doubt. I think, you know, and it's so all, reliable because it's it there is. every week and it's printed on the yeah. syllabus or online. <laughs> so like, it's going to be there yeah. again, you know, given some exception, yeah. some exceptional circumstance, but it's going to be there for them. Right. And I think for many of us, those it's five hours minimum. Yeah. But for many of us, it's a lot more yeah. than that. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my policy, if my door is open. I have office hours. You mm-hmm. can stop in at any time because we have a lot of students who also work. Yeah. And, and so the office hours in some instances, and just actually before this class, I was right. working with a student trying to come up with another day and time mm-hmm. that works for her because of her two jobs. Right. And she's going full time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll change it up. Whatever you need, we'll, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. And that's the office hours are like an, an anchor. Those, as Don said, they're guaranteed. But that's yeah. not the only guarantee. Right. <laughs> yeah. right? There's a whole bunch of other things out there. And, and many of us are working out of our office. And so, you know, you can come in. I, I have three kids at home, yeah. right? My, there are no closed doors, yeah. right? When I'm yeah. writing at home or whatever, I get interruptions. And now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm used to that. And so here, when I'm working on something, my door's open. You're 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 invited in. Yeah. I mean that's that simple. And I, I I'm not as uh, you know cool with the um, different action figures. I have my Mets stuff out there. So most yeah, of, you might have to work no, on no, broadening no, no, no. that. I, I get some sympathy <laughs> from, uh, the, <laughs> from the they're like or they're disappointed. Like yeah. oh, Doctor Cook, I thought you were better than that, mm-hmm. right? But. You know, I know what it is to sacrifice. I know yeah. what suffering is mm-hmm. as a Mets fan. So I'm good with that, right? It's not, it doesn't have to be perfect. But And that's the other thing. Um, I, I am a Mets fan. I bleed blue and orange through and through. There's no doubt about it. But it's also, I think, with us, you know, they see PhD. And I actually mm-hmm. say PhD stands for this. We can pile it high and deep. Right? <laughs> and so we're certainly not yeah. even close to perfect And and, you know, having the Mets thing out there, mm-hmm. it's a conversation started. Yeah. And you can see them shaking their head. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think when you do look around, and I think that's the other thing that Don, you know, said that I think I want to emphasize is that when you go into office hours, look around. Mm-hmm. Right? See See what's there. You get the idea of a professor and how yeah. strange we are, yeah. right? And and you know, and that that does lead to different types of conversation. Yeah. I have a counter full of toys in my office because I started it because I used to be the judicial officer, and I just wanted to you know make something a little easier when people were coming in and they knew they had 
you know, done something they were See? getting in trouble for. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because you've both done a program for us. Um, we did a My Road to Western talking about your, your own academic journeys and, and what got you here. And I remember stories that both of you told about, you know, people that had an impact in your lives and your journeys. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. And of course, uh, I, I came to, uh, to university teaching via the long route uh, until I was about 30 years old. I was mm -hmm. in financial services. I had no clue that I was ever going to end up in education mm -hmm. until the universe, you know, finally set mm -hmm. me right. And I was doing very, very well. Um, but the one thing that told me once I had made the decision and I had started grad school and decided this is what I'm going to do uh, was a first semester professor uh, my faculty at the University of Central Florida, excuse me, <clears throat> um, who, in overhearing one of my conversations <laughs> about with a friend about going to the theater, just tapped me on the shoulder. Oh, are you a fan of the theater? And if anybody knows me here, oh yeah, you um, are. <laughs> they, they know that that would be an understatement. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, long story uh, shorter. Um, he said, oh, well, if you're ever doing any work in theater studies or drama studies, let me know because, and then he went on a length from that. Well, now I am just a first semester uh, English graduate student. I had never, I was not an English major as an mm -hmm. undergrad. I was just as lost as anybody possibly could be going into these classes. All of these English undergrad mm -hmm. majors during class discussions were this name and that name and, and Dr. Johnson and Shakespeare and Chaucer and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs hoping that eventually all of this is going to come to me yep. through osmosis. So the fact <laughs> that a professor came up to me and, and said, oh, if you're interested in talking about this, let's do it. Next thing you know, he is saying, oh, I saw that paper that you wrote for Dr. X's class. Mm -hmm. It was quite good. Would you be interested in presenting at an academic conference that I'm going to because I think your paper would complement a couple of the others in this session? Um, okay, not having any idea yeah. what was involved. Um, okay, sure, why not? And that's what did it. Now, this is at the master's level. So that's my very first semester I start presenting at yeah. – at professional level academic conferences, and I did it for the rest of the, the, the next few years while I was there. I get to my PhD program at another university, and it turns out I am the only one out of a cohort of about 30 PhD candidates who had even presented at a conference oh, wow. yet. And I was expecting to come into there thinking, yeah. you know, everybody's got so many more conferences than my piddly little six or seven. <laughs> And they're looking at me as if, as if I'm this kind of academic god. And I'm like, no, somebody, somebody came up to me and said, hey, do you want to do this? And, and off you go. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing then that gets people looking at you. I, don't, I think you would probably agree, Chris, that, uh, that grad school is not a contest. Right. But, but people pay attention just as we're talking about. You come up to us. You show us what you're interested. We're going to keep our eyes on you. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Right, is that all of a sudden the faculty are saying, hey, Gagnon this and Gagnon that and yeah. Gagnon this. Right. And I don't know that it's that I was – and I'm quite sure it's not because I was that any better a scholar mm -hmm. than anybody else I was there. But they knew me because of more things. Right. And so here you go, Gagnon. Call Gagnon. Call Gagnon. <laughs> and then it hasn't stopped. I, mean, I don't know if I should be grateful then. Including today. <laughs> yeah, so. right. yeah, and I'll – there are all different types of professors. 
And I'm, I'm going to focus on the undergrad level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the undergrad level, one of my very first professors, I, I changed my major three times as an undergrad. And that's, that's pretty typical. That is. Yeah. That's, that's average. Great. Right? Yeah. And so that that's what I want also coming out of here. Yeah. Right? Don't lock yourself into something. Right? Yeah. Find out. What gets your motor going, mm-hmm. right? And and because you're going to be, open to you're going to be doing this for the next fifty years <laughs> yeah. of your life, right? Yeah. If you're doing this, if you're getting a degree because you can make money in it, yeah. that that's that's nice. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe but if that's, maybe you'll have a full refrigerator. Best motivator. No, well, yeah. it actually from political economy to neuroscience, that's called an extrinsic uh, motivation. Mm-hmm. Is that money? That actually leads. You may get there, but it's short lived. Yeah. Right. And then you're unhappy and you're yep. going through, I don't know, 15 divorces or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it you, you actually don't get the success you think you're right. going to get. It's a, a paradox. And there's a recent study from July, four years old now, July 2014. And it was, uh, you know, given out in The New York Times uh, on July 4th, actually, mm-hmm. of 2014. And it basically showed that you know, out of 11,000 military cadets. Those who had rank and prestige as one of the reasons why they wanted to go in were actually out-processed out out of the service. Mm-hmm. They got somewhat rank, but then they were asked to leave. Those who had an intrinsic motivation, who just wanted to serve the country and thought they were just going to go in there and serve the country and mm-hmm. leave, actually stayed in, got to the ranks of general, yeah. and, and made it happen across the board. And when we look at that in political economy, which I also teach— mm-hmm. And that's also the case. So it's a paradox, yeah. right? So when you think you're going for the money or you're getting your education because of the money, you're actually going to do worse than someone who's actually going because they want to learn. Mm-hmm. And to have that open mind. I started off as a uh, pre-law major. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my dad was a New York City detective. So he was going to catch the bad guys. And I was going to put the bad guys away for life, right? That was yep. that was my Batman Robin routine yep. that I had going in my head. You were the basis of Law and Order. Claim some of that Law and Order money. <laughs> and, well, I interned as an undergrad in a bunch of different law offices, both for the prosecutor and for the defense, and then other, and realized I was not going to be happy. Yeah. And that's where I also realized that law and justice do not go together. Right. A lot. (laughs) And that, for me, I have a problem with. And so I knew that. So that gave me a philosophical Mm -hmm. conundrum, so I became a philosophy major. (laughs) (laughs) And then I I took this professor. So when I was a pre-law, I actually had a professor in poli-sci because I had to take an American government course. He literally told me that I didn't have an aptitude for political science and that I should not major in it. <laughs> so I, I, literally, that's yeah. what he said to me. And I asked him why, and he goes, just trust me. He was a winner. Let me just put it that yeah. way, and I mean that in a very sarcastic <laughs> way. He should never have been teaching. So I stayed away from poli-sci yeah. as much as I could, and I, I um, did my philosophy, and then I had to take another poli-sci course, and I was dreading it. A completely different professor. Amazing yeah. professor that just woke me up and showed me that poli-sci for me was like a Swiss army knife for life. It attaches to everything from where stop signs are placed and why to where nuclear missile silos are placed and why. Mm-hmm. And just generated that. And, and I wanted to make a difference. Yeah. And in poli-sci, you can do so many different things. And I, I was able to. So I had one professor who told me I had no aptitude. And another said, oh, man, you're going to go. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. And that's what I want to bring out. if you have out. to believe one or the other, right, believe the believe one that the says... Ones, yeah. 
you can do this. Right. right. Well, yeah. and and I now, you know, that was one of the reasons why I also, when someone tells me I can't do anything, I'm like, oh, man, I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite, right? You change yeah. that. Be careful, right? There are some there are some people who just, you know, are going through motions, and you don't want to be one of them yeah. ever, right? You want to be the one that stokes the fires, both for others and for inside of you. And so be careful when you when you think you have doubts, Go back to what gets your motor going. And I can't imagine doing anything else. My, my favorite job, I was a counterintelligence agent during the Cold War. Um, that was cool. But my favorite job before that, I was a lifeguard, right? Yeah. And I had saved 14 lives in one summer. It was like one of my favorite jobs yeah. ever. And then I got this. Yeah. This is by far my favorite job that I've ever had. I love being with the students because they challenge me. Mm-hmm. It's all about the questions. And if you have a professor I, and like Don who's all about the questions and stay with them. If you have a professor who doesn't care about the questions, go see Don. <laughs> right? Right? Go find, find those professors that, you know, get that, that going that, and that live for the challenge. Well, and one of the things I wanted to say, too, is that it's not always a professor that's in your major or the area that you're really concentrated in. So often there's somebody in a class that you have to take mm-hmm. that, you know, has that kind of passion for what they're doing or just something clicks for you and you automatically you see that it's related somehow to you know music and poli sci that you might never have thought were were interrelated so don't close yourself off just so you know they are they are <laughs> yeah but don't close yourself off to those experiences too because they're there and they're waiting for you too Indeed. so don't just keep your focus so narrow on you know where you want to be 10 years from now that you miss some of the opportunities that are right here in front of you, too. Right. And it doesn't mean that you need to change your major. It means, you know, your life is going to be full of a lot of things. And if that's a subject or a topic that all of a sudden starts starts to charge you, but yeah. you're not interested in changing your major because you like that, also great. It's just going to make for a fuller life if right. you continue to engage and develop that energy. Uh, to the point that you were just saying, indeed, it was a freshman comp uh, instructor that made yeah. the difference. Everybody has to take freshman comp, mm-hmm. right? And and it it can be in many, especially large universities, mm-hmm. a, a kind of you know it's a mill, right? Get yep. the students through this yep. course so they can all write a, a, an essay. Uh, and this was a, a university of about ten thousand students at the time, and her individual approach, the way she was concerned about the way we expressed ourselves, all you know, professionally, all yep. according to to uh, writing standards, but she was concerned about our expression. Um, And so then years later, when I was making that decision about what really do I want to do with my life, Mm -hmm. I went back and I realized she made me realize that I can write. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even trying to be a writer. I had no interest in English or anything. But she made me realize I can write. And that's what started me thinking on that fateful day of, okay, I need to refocus Mm -hmm. my interests and energies in something that's going to make me happy for the next 30 or 40 years. And it was her and it was what she did in that class when I wasn't even studying what she was trying to tell me. Um, But it was there. And fortunately, I'm sorry, side note, I know we're running low on time. But as one of those graduate uh, school conferences that I I presented Mm -hmm. at, one of them, I had not seen her since freshman year 10 years before. Um, she was speaking at that conference also. And I saw her name on the program, and I said, I need to. And I went to her session, and I'm 
going to tell her, thank you for Mm -hmm. being that one who made the difference and you are right. And of course, I went up and I said, my name is Don Gagnon. And she said, do I know you? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, that's to be expected. One of how many freshman comp students, how many years ago? Didn't matter. I Mm -hmm. had the chance to tell her, thank you for what you brought into the classroom that has made my life what it's supposed to be. Yep. Yeah. I know we we are almost out of time. Actually, we're way past our time. But um, I, just as we wrap up, are there things that you really want students to think about and know in terms of getting to know their professors and why it's important and, and why they should try to do it? I mean, other than the things we have already yeah. talked about, one and it kind of builds off of what Don was just saying, but it's not just the passion that a professor has mm-hmm. for his or her class, but also your p- passion, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes you don't know about that until, as you said, you take a class outside what your major yep. is. And here, I want the students to know that you can actually create your own major, yep. right? You have your contract major. And I have so many students who are graduating mm-hmm. with environmental policy making. Yep. We do not have an environmental policy making mm-hmm. department, but they combine biology with poli sci to create their own major here. Yeah. We've had a young lady graduate with a computer gaming software degree. Mm-hmm. We do not have a computer yeah. gaming <laughs> software department, but what she did is she um, connected history professors with computer science professors and created a medieval history game Neat. based on real. Yeah, and yeah. it was really cool. And so her, her thesis at the end was where. And this was the funny part. The professors had to play the game. Right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and we have some amazing professors, you know, just off the top of my head, Dr. Lindenauer in history. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, Dr. Gagnon in theater and in, in mm-hmm. English that you can combine two different areas to create your own passion. And, was that and a that, plug for the American Studies program? <laughs> <laughs> That's a plug for you guys, just plain and straight and simple. And, and I feel lucky that I have the colleagues that I have yeah. here. And I think... Get to know your professor because they're going to connect you with other professors that are right in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I think something that often gets overlooked is not the just the campus relationship but the lifelong relationship. Mm-hmm. My dissertation director is the dearest man in the world, Jack Moore. Yep. I was the last doctoral student he ever hooded in his life. He had a stroke a month after wow. uh, yeah. my hooding ceremony and he never recovered from it. And to this day... There, there are things, issues, topics related to the profession and just to our mutual areas of interest where I just want to pick up the phone mm-hmm. and call him and talk to him about it because as much as we love our friends and our family and our colleagues, there's somebody who knows your work, who mm-hmm. knows um, your intellectual process, who knows all of that, right? Where else are you going to find that? Where else are you going to turn? You may find somebody else. Great. But here's somebody that you've, in, in all, for all intents and purposes, here's somebody you've paid for to be mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. And if you've done your homework and found that person on campus, what a wonderful lifelong yeah. resource. Yeah, and that was one of the things that, you know, in some of the reading I did for that, that was, it was like a, a light bulb for me. It was like, yeah, it is. It's that lifelong connection that you can make with people. You know, it was fun for me, too, because I just got back from from a weekend with people I worked with when I first came here for graduate school and it's been 35 years, you know, and and to be able to pick back up, to bounce things. They're all working in, in student affairs. So, you know, we had things to talk about, and they were my mentors. They weren't professors, but they were my colleagues and coworkers, and it's the same kind of thing. So building those relationships is just so important. 
I want to thank you guys both for being here today, Dr. Cook, Dr. Gagnon. Thank you. Um, thank you. I, you know, I hope that a lot of students listen to this because it's so important um, for them and helping them get where they need to be. Um, and it makes their experience so much richer. So my task for all of you who are listening to this, if you're a student, is Homework. to hang back after your next class with a professor that you want to get more familiar with, to get to know something, and ask them a question. Just a question about what they talked about in class. Start with that. And that's, you know, just a way to start that relationship. So I'll even entertain questions of why I'm a Mets fan. All right. All right. So I'll even go down that route. <laughs> or how was your weekend, Dr. Gagnon, exactly. which is nice also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something that they want to know more than what they're going to get on their next grade. Um, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Gab and Grow. Uh, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you have questions that we didn't answer or you have ideas for topics you want to hear us cover, you can email me at griffinm at wcsu.edu. Uh, I'll try to find an answer for you. So enjoy the day and thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>